They want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we're going to have backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre Hey Pack, welcome to Danny Boyd. It's a podcast about your favourite, the greatest, the most perfect, wonderful, just the entity that gives us all joy and love. That is the Footscray Football Club, trading as Western Bulldogs. I'm Danny McGinley, he's Tom Boyd. Boydie, did you watch? Uh, we're just doing a quick intro here because we recorded uh, some interviews uh, last week at Witten Oval in the Inner Sanctum, but uh, at that point we hadn't lost a Gold Coast yet. Uh, did you watch the Gold Coast game? Well, firstly, Danny, you know, joy, love, amongst other emotions that this football club provides to us as fans, um, none of which that have been listed so far was what I felt watching the game on Saturday night. It was, uh, it was just, a, just a tough game of footy to watch, wasn't it? Just every time one team seemed to sort of half work out the conditions, then the other team would you know, make life difficult. And, yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, I think if, if we lost to Gold Coast six weeks ago, I would have been in a very dark place um, over the weekend. But I think, you know, it's in Darwin. It's a tough position to play. We've had a really strong seven weeks. Now it's just time to reset and, um, you know, take our uh, take our medicine, lick our wounds and, and have a crack this week uh, against a, a mob that we haven't played well against historically. Oh, God, no. No, we haven't. We never. It feels like we never beat Geelong. Um, just on Gold Coast, though, I feel like there was a modicum of revenge for the Suns for the amount of times we've played them at Ballarat in, you know, icy cold conditions, which they're not used to. So they've gone, all right, now stuff you. We're going to play you in, on, in the conditions that suit us the best. Of course, Gold Coast are going to play humidity better than the team from West Footscray. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like, yeah, fair enough. You, you, I'll, we'll take our medicine on that. You're, uh, yeah, but I also feel if you replay that game today, we win. We just like yeah. everything went against us. Not the umpiring. Umpire was definitely in our favour. I will fully admit <laughs> that. Uh, Cody had a few uh, dramatic uh, turns, shall we say. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I just feel we, we are the better side and we got unlucky that day. Yeah, I mean, they had some good players play some good footy, right? Oh, um, yeah, Rowley. Like, what's what's the name of that kid? He kicked four goals in the third quarter or something? Lacocious. Um, yeah, and he, and he can kick a long ball for a guy who doesn't look like, you know, he'd stand up to a strong win. So yeah. uh, I'm also, you know, I think you might be getting a little bit ahead of yourself to think that the Gold Coast Suns have any sway over a fixturing other than selling games and then getting told who's playing up there with them. Nah, come <laughs> but, on, go, go into the deep state. This is what the, yeah. the Illuminati, who are always out to get us, want to do. Well, the Illuminati is the the, the the league who owns the Suns, I would argue. Um, but also, mate, you know, speaking of this interview that's coming up, um, you know, if you want to hear about the inner sanctum conversations that happen when an ex-premiership player and his comedian mate walk into a footy club, but there's only one place to find that, and that's on their Patreon. We had a good chat about running into, you know, some old coaches and teammates and all of the great things that we, we got to be a part of um, at that wonderful uh, One Witten Avenue, as I shared with you the other day. Um, so it was great. It was great to be back there. And if you want to hear a bit more about that, um, yeah, jump on the Patreon and, and we uh, we appreciate all the support. But this this was a great 
and very interesting uh, couple of conversations, wasn't it, Danny? What, what do you think the highlights? So for everyone who's about to jump in, it'll probably be in the title. We spoke to Cash Bounds, who's the head of the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation, and also Alex Keith, who needs no introduction. Um, what was the best part for you, mate? Um, I genuinely, I, the thing that surprised me the most is I left this interview more of a Bulldogs fan. I didn't think you could top up. I thought I was already 100%, but it made me love our club even more. Because, you know, I've, I've heard about the Community Foundation, but I didn't know the nitty-gritty of what they did. And learning about that just made me fall in love with this club even more. So the, the chat to Cash was generally good. Like, yeah, Keithy was great. It's always great to chat to a current player. But Cash really opened my eyes to the magical stuff that that we're doing. That was the highlight for me. Well, funnily enough, so we did that uh, last Monday. Obviously, this is coming out Wednesday the 31st, I believe, Danny. Yes. On last Thursday, so a few days after our session, I went to the uh, Sons of the West graduation and there were multiple people there who said, when's Danny going to come down and join the Sons of the West program? And I said, oh, but he lives lives in North because he's on North side. He goes, it's not that far. It's really not that far. (laughs) So (laughs) a message of your... um, Lack of understanding of how to get involved is spread far and wide amongst Bulldogs faithful, mate. And I was lucky enough to be a part of 80 or so guys graduating from the Laverton and also the Newport groups, which was awesome. And, All right, uh, I'll yeah. do your deal. I'll come and join Sons of the West when you come down and do a training session with my under nines. <laughs> You've got to do something for 10 weeks. It's free, admittedly. And I've got to come All right, you coach 10 session. sessions then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if under nines and me have a particular affinity, but in all honesty, we, we'll wrap this up and get into the episode now. It was a great chat with the two guys. I think that you know our club does many things well, many things poorly at times, like like all clubs do. But I think the work that they do with the foundation, particularly you know catering for the real multiculturalism that we have, the different challenges we have in the inner west specifically, rather than just trying to do everything for all people, we really do a great job of integrating with our western suburb supporters and the people that live in our, in our area. So it's a great chat with Cash and uh, with Keithy, and uh, I hope you all enjoy. And if you do want to get on the Patreon, we have an exciting announcement about a Patreon-only event, which is coming soon. You want to know more? Patreon.com slash Danny Boyd Bulldogs. We've been barreled into a very secret compartment here at the home of football, Witten Oval. Uh, as you come in, there's a construction site and you can go through reception. If you do a secret handshake, you're led through a series of doors like the opening credits of Get Smart. Boydie and I have just walked past a whole lot of people who wanted to shake his hand. We just saw Bubba Smith, I saw Bevo, I saw uh, Cody Waitman looking at some edits. It's very exciting. But now we're in the secret room. But, Boydie, what's going on? Well, firstly, I must say that there must have been an uproar at this football club now that the Barker's Cafe has been transformed into a gym. Because footballers don't want to do gym. They want to drink coffee. That's right. And there's no cafe here oh, there, anymore. Didn't you see the coffee cart? Ah, oh, well, you know, coffee cart, cafe, different, different story. But yeah. also, I must say, there's a bit of nostalgia walking into the Western Bulldogs. Um, but also, I think, a bit of jealousy because... Beyond sort of the end of my tenure here, the place was getting a bit tired. And now there is steel structures that, um, to the magnitude of the Empire State Building, being built at <laughs> 1 Witten Avenue, Footscray. Is that the name of the street? Have they renamed it? Yep. Yeah, was the it? Car Park Street is Witten Avenue. I thought it was Sutton Way. 
No, I think Sutton Way might be out there too. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> it Dan. should be Boyd Boulevard. Let's yeah. be honest here. Anyway, what are we doing here? Come on. We we um we are recording this uh, the the week after or a couple of days after the Adelaide game up in Ballarat. We've just won five on the trot, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We've got incredible guests uh, joining us. As many of you know, I came on board as the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation ambassador alongside the one and only Michael Rowland. Um, you know, ABC Breakfast, great man, friend of the show, great hair. Yeah. Great presenter, friend of the show. Um, and one of the things I thought was really important to do for all of the people who listen to the Bulldogs is to put a bit of context behind what the foundation is, um, who the, the people that we work with at the foundation are, the programs that we run and how the Bulldogs utilise their platform to make an impact and who better to tell us about that than the CEO? Well, uh, General Manager of Community and Government Relations at the Doggies. Okay, obviously. CEO <laughs> of the Western Border Community Foundation, <laughs> yeah. the one and only Cash. How yeah. are you, mate? Uh, I'm great, and great to have you both in the inner sanctum of the Western Bulldogs Football Club. Yeah, yeah. this is because we're in like they've put us in the studio, but it it feels like we're being put into a, a bomb shelter or, or yeah. a broom closet <laughs> at times. Wow. Yeah. Uh, to give everyone a bit of context, it's not that, that we've been shafted into the cupboard. It's that the Bulldogs is in a very big state of transformation at the yeah. moment, um, and everything's kind of everywhere. But Absolutely. in twelve to eighteen months, depending on the timeline, it'll all be beautiful. But Cash, thanks for joining us. What we really wanted to, I suppose, get a bit of a picture for is, um, and maybe the best place to start is when did you join the foundation? What is the sort of purpose of the foundation, and why do the Bulldogs obviously have a foundation in the first place? No, thank you. Um, as as you may know, that I started my career at the AFL, and I was working at the AFL, um, looking after clubs across uh, Australia. So I was the national multicultural and indigenous programs manager. And while I was there, there was a lot of respect that I had for the Bulldogs and the work they were doing in the community, uh, and especially the community foundation, because um, the difference about the foundation is it's a separate entity. It's got its own board, so it's a whole organization in itself. Uh, and the CEO of the foundation, as you said, sit on the executive team at the club, which just shows how important it is for the club to have community represented at the exact level. So when the role came up uh, at the foundation in 2016, it's obviously doggies are doing really well. We did okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, they hadn't won. You know, rising tide, all exactly. boats. They hadn't won the premiership yet, uh, but uh, we were right up there in the mix uh, and the job came up and I was so excited to put my hat in the ring because of the respect I had for what the doggies were doing. And um, when I came in, I was just completely blown away because what I knew from looking outside in was fraction of what the work uh, it, the, the amount of work that's done at the foundation and uh, by the club. Hang on, hang on. Pull up the pony there. When yeah. did you come in? What's the exact date or roughly? Oh, well, I signed the contract before the premiership win. Yeah. I started the day afterwards. Before. The day I started before. afterwards. <laughs> so, oh, no, yeah. sign the, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. You're, yeah. you're a premiership yeah. hero. Exactly Congrats, right, Cash. I was. <laughs> I, I was actually going to get one of those watches, the premiership watches. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. Well, still I can borrow it. this one. I'm wearing it today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still got it. I didn't put the order in. I was too new and too shy. Uh, I'd be preaching to the converted here, but one of the things I've spoken about on this podcast is just the shock that sort of ran through my system walking into a club as established as the Bulldogs. After starting with the Giants, bit of a sort of focus group club, Johnny, throwback yeah, to one of your so. great banners. Um, and the sort of lack of history was really um, stark. But the other thing that I'd never really dealt with before um, in any of my clubs, given that I played suburban footy and state level footy and all that sort of stuff, was a club like Footscray, which is so heavily embedded in the very close proximal suburbs you know yeah. it's Yarraville it's Seddon it's Footscray it's West Footscray it's Brooklyn and then it's Ballarat 
Um, <laughs> and we have such a strong tie to those communities. I think that provides a great platform. Is that something that you sort of noticed when you first joined the foundation, that the football club has a monopoly on their sort of inner west of Melbourne? Yeah, absolutely. And I know Bob Murphy said once that um, we may not have the largest supporter base, but we have, we've been um, hands down on the... Uh, car bumper stickers yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the people here uh, are really passionate and especially in 2016 um, you know you saw red white blue everywhere and there was so much passion in the west and we forget that a lot of people in the western suburbs are first generation migrant they did not grow up with the game the game is new to them but they still connected with the club and they saw it as their victory and it was the victory of the west it was not just about the doggies it was a whole community a whole um a geographical region that has not had it you know as good as some other areas but then they were able to that was their moment to shine so that was great to to witness all because you signed a contract yes victory of the victory for the west really sounds like a game of thrones reference doesn't yeah, it, it does, gets the yeah. hair and the back of the neck tingling um so how given given that and given the landscape that you find yourself in footscray um how does the community foundation sort of leverage that um what would you say cultural geographical attachment to the footy club to one implement programs in the first place but two obviously make them really really sticky and really enjoyable yeah i think it's about sticking to your strengths uh, and and you know i know even in your book you talk about that strength-based approach and that's what we try to take we we want people to be at their best and we want to help them get there we know that we're not a big not-for-profit we're not a youth organization we're not a salvation army our strength is our brand, the brand of the football club and the emotional connection that people have with the club and our players. So how do we use that to, to reach out to a cohort that are otherwise disconnected to the services? So that's all we do. So we don't say that we have all the answers. We just provide that environment and connection between people and service providers. That's how we do it. So you've got the, the Community Foundation, I, I, you know, I get the emails from the club saying things like Sons of the West program. So yeah. what is that? What if I, if I sign up to Sons of the West? First of all, I live in the north. Am yeah. I, does that exclude me or can uh, I, can no, I drive we'll over? We'll find a way for you. Okay, uh, thank you. We're broad church at the doggies. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So what I, I rock up to the, my first day of uh, Sons of the West, uh, you're going to, what, what's going to happen? So it's basically a men's health program, uh, sorry, and, um, and what we've learned over the or over time is that the men's suicide rates, the men homelessness rate, the men unemployment rate are higher than women and they are higher in the West than anywhere else um, in the state. Mm -hmm. So there was a real uh, issue that we found that was unfolding in the West and how can the club help? And a lot of these men, they don't go to GPs, they go, don't go and see some counsellors, they don't get the help. What, did, what do they look towards? They look at uh, football they look at players that that those are their role models so that's how sons of the west was born that how do we use the power of the football club to have these conversations with men around mental health around physical health around going and getting a gp seeing a gp and getting some checks done so that's how the program started and it's very much about creating that safe space for men so when the first week they walk in it's very friendly it's a bit of an induction get to know you and then as the program continues over the 10 weeks they get to hear from speakers like Whitey about mental health, they get 
to hear from other men like them, but we also try to connect them with local service providers. And uh, also each session has both a physical exercise component as well as um, education component. So they might learn about prostate con- cancer one week, but at the same time they're doing some exercise. And by the end of 10 weeks, they wa- walk away with a sense of achievement, but also with a number of friends and all, and information on where they can find help in their communities. And it's 100% free, isn't it, Cash? Absolutely, it is for the participants, it is. Is there a cap of the amount of people who can join? Look, um, <laughs> on the back of uh, Boydie's heroics in 2016, <laughs> uh, we had uh, we we had up to 900 men wow. join the program wow. in one year uh, across 14 sites, and at some sites we had around 100 men. So it became very very crowded, even in a pre-COVID <laughs> yeah. world. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. hazard. So then we OHNS kicked in, and we now have you know a capacity at each venue based on what that venue can accommodate. So for example, if we're running the program in this room, it might only be <laughs> this three. Is three. Oh, yeah. One of us would have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we have uh, sessions for, uh, ranging from 25 to 50 men. Yeah, I um, was lucky enough to participate in one of the sessions, as Cash mentioned, where I came and did the quote-unquote education component. So I had the, the chat with the guys down at the Newport Community Centre, yeah. I think it was. And there was probably 50 or 60 people there. You can watch them all chat to each other. They've met through the program um, they're having a good time asking each other questions. Um, I'll obviously get up there and do a quick spiel with with Alice and then sort of um, listen to, you know, a bunch of guys ask me questions r- ranging from all topics, as you can imagine. But um, to see everyone so engaged and then to go out and have a bit of fun, I think they did boxer size that night. Yeah. It's it's something that I remember very vividly. My dad um, going through at the age of 45, 50, when he was just, you know, didn't have footy anymore. He's too old to run by himself. Mm-hmm. He didn't have anything necessarily that he wanted to do for exercise. So six or seven of the guys started what they called Fight Club back at their local footy club, where they'd get yeah. up at 4.30, 5 o'clock, they'd do pads and bags and stuff together and just try and stay fit, right? And that was a thing that lasted four or five years. And yeah. as soon as I walked into this, I was like, these are the same people <laughs> yeah. in a different yeah. place with an actual thing that's organised yeah. and an education component on top of it, which I think is so important. Oh, absolutely. And as a part of the program, we do what's called GP checks. And it's a bit like the amazing race where you have to go and get certain uh, collect certain stamps and you win something. Oh, really? You've yeah. gamified it. <laughs> exactly That's right. perfect for people <laughs> like me. Uh, exactly, because you got to motivate them one way or another. Yeah. Sometimes void is not enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, most times it gets the job done, but sometimes we need to put other incentives. And you know what will be f- uh, funny for people to hear is a lot of the people are actually not doggy sporters. Yeah. Really? I was going to ask that. Because yeah. like, I think one of the genius things just from hearing about it now is when if I went to a thing like that, one of the, one of the issues I would have is just breaking the ice and the yeah. issues and sort of just standing there awkwardly with a lot of other men and you'd be wondering, oh, what's wrong with you? Why have you come yeah, here? Yeah. Am, I, oh, am I broken? You know, you yeah. men are so proud to admit yeah. these things. But if you can just go, how good was Libra on the weekend? Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's generally great, is. Yeah, exactly. And that's a great part of it. And yeah. it's just, to the, your point, it's just something in common. And, and, you know, I would say a lot of the, the guys are dog supporters. Yeah. Um, I do find myself in good company with people who want to ask me questions most yeah. of the time at these events. Yeah. But I hope you, like, you know, I'm sure Essendon supporters are welcome, but yeah. you help the dog sense just a little bit more. Like talking, about, talking about Essendon supporters, so we had this guy, Aaron, in, in Ballarat. He joined our Ballarat programs, and he was – we didn't know at the time, but he was in the lowest of low points in his life at the time. He's an Essendon supporter. His part- I think those things are linked. Yeah. yeah. So his part- <laughs> yeah, but, not, no, not the weekend. weekend. Yeah, the weekend yeah. they have it. Yeah. I was uh, but his partner somehow talked him in into joining Sons of the West. He came to the program begrudgingly, yep. uh, but then fell in love with it, and um, and you know 
uh, went through the program, uh, graduated from the program, came back, helped out. And then after a couple of years of involvement, he wrote us an email and he said, I was very, very close um, to, to perhaps, you know, taking my own life. Wow. When I started the program, this program has completely changed my life. And yes, I still am an ascendant supporter, but I'm very close to convert. I'm hoping he's converted yeah, by yeah. now. We've got to get him a membership. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and look, as I said, Cash, I think that the people behind these um, these events and these programs and the outreach that the foundation does is exactly why people need to hear these stories. And, you know, I think a lot of people who work in mental health or work in, say, any health provider space and they're trying to educate people, have these conversations. We all say this sort of cliche thing, which is if you can help one person, yeah. um, then it'll all be worth it. And I think that, you know, that's a great example of, of exactly that and that, you know, perhaps that things would have gone differently if he hadn't been a part of um, the Sons of the West and the Community Foundation more broadly. But I know that you do have to run. So for everyone out there who's listening now, what are the big ticket items coming up for the foundation? Yeah, how do you I join? I, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to get in. You're yeah. about to launch the Daughters of the West, I believe, is yes, about to, to take absolutely. off soon. Um, yeah. What do people need to know yeah. today in yeah. May 2023? Yeah, absolutely. I'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, Bidey, I think you made an important point at the start that people don't really know the work that we do. Mm. And if they do, they know Sons of the West, which has probably been our highest profile program. And that's helped uh, thanks to you as well. Uh, but foundation does a number of different things. So we got health and well-being programs, which are sons and daughters of the West. Then we do a lot of work in youth space, uh, which we have, we have a program called uh, the Leadership Project, where we work with young people and help them uh, deliver different projects in their community. We do a lot of work with young Indigenous kids. And uh, obviously, Sir Doug Nichols Round just went past and our participants uh, did the Guard of Honor in Ballarat as well. So uh, we do that. And then we have a lot, of, a lot of work we do with the multicultural communities as well, with our gold program for young African Australians. And then we uh, do a lot of work with young, uh, young people as well as adults uh, using football but teaching them English through football, which can be quite an experience. <laughs> so yeah. literally there's people going, what is a blinder? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what is a mark? <laughs> but it does feel like that the um, the great thing about the foundation is it's reflective of the needs of the community in the inner West, right? All of those programs yeah. that you mentioned, as soon as you say them, you go, okay, that makes sense because yeah. we have large African community in this this yeah. area. We yeah. have a need for youth outreach in all parts of Victoria. Yeah, Obviously, absolutely. we've got the, you know, the, the stuff you mentioned before about the, um, the, the need for the Sons of the West program to take off in the yeah. west of Melbourne. I think that, you know, that's that's what this foundation is about. And I think to your point earlier about their foundation having representation on the executive team of the, the Bulldogs of the football club is that, you know, this club has to care about its constituents because we're all in this together. We're in a very small part of Melbourne that, yeah. you know, as you said, loves the Bulldogs more than anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, going back to your point around what's coming up. So we got Sons of the West graduations coming up. Okay. You can't join the program, but you can celebrate the success of these men. Thursday night, I'll be yeah, there. Thursday night, uh, Boydie's going to be there. We got one on... Uh, well, probably, this will go to where after that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Last Thursday, I'll be there. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> we got um, Tuesday, we got Ballarat. So that will be the first one and, um, and that will be great. And a lot of these men, and then you made the point around the type of men that joined the program yeah. they're not all broken men uh, when I first started at the doggies I wanted to understand what's the fuss is about with Sons of the West so I joined the program as a participant oh, nice. and I was blown away um, so 
age is pretty similar, so it's more 40 to 55. But then you have plumbers there, you have CEOs, you have bank managers, you have blue collar, white collar, you have people who haven't worked for a little while. So there's real diversity of people. And somehow in that melting pot or in that salad bowl, they all seem to yeah. complement each other, which is, which is just beautiful to see. But then a lot of those men uh, have never graduated from anything in their lives as well. So when they graduate from Sons of the West, that's a huge achievement. Uh, so yes, you may not be able to attend, but you will see some vision which we'll share via our social media channels. So one thing I would ask everyone to do is please, if you can, uh, you know, follow the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation on yep. socials, that would be oh, great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then once Suns is out, then uh, our youth leadership program is about to start. Our goal and eligibility program for young Indigenous uh, Australians and African Australians is going to start. And Daughters of the West is what we're uh, registering for at the moment. So all these men, when I first started, uh, apart from premiership and can you bring the cup down and can you bring Baidi <laughs> down? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other question I got from all the women was, you got a program for men. Where is our program? Yeah. Uh, and we obviously delivered because give the people what they want. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cash, we can't thank you enough for your time today. No. I know you've got to run to do much more important stuff than talk to us too. No, um, it's been yeah, good fun. Football stooges as we were. Yeah. Um, so thank you and thank you for all the work that you do. And, you know, we'll do a good job of making sure that everyone knows where to follow, where to go, where to look at all the content and, of course, where to sign up um, if right. possible. No, so thank you so Cash. much for your support as well. You've been great for us. Thanks, Dan. Go dogs. Go dogs. Now we have Alex Keith just coming into the. He, we're in the still in the smallest room in Whitnoval. Uh, Keithy makes it look even smaller. He's, he's so much bigger than yeah. you expect him to be. Welcome, Alex Keith. Yeah, thank you. Um, maybe not next to Boydy, but um, no, no, it is no, a very small I room. Used to be here. Fit, I swear. We're nice and nice and cozy. <laughs> what are you? Well, you're two hundred centimeters. Uh, just under. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I would have hated to play on you, Keith. Did we ever play against each other? Were you at Adelaide? Yeah, I think I was probably running 2014? No, I was a bit late. I was uh, I debuted AFL uh, 2017, so I might have been running around the sample when you were when you were playing. <sighs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I played a fair bit of VFL footy at different stages too, mate. Don't worry. Um, mate, it's great to have you here. Uh, one of the greatest segues of all time, Dunny. You can fix it up in posters. Okay, though, sure. So, um, you know, straight into, uh, okay, now we have Alex Keith. Is that, is that how we're going to transition into this next stage of the program well, after 25 years on television and radio? I'll do some... Sta- what, what, what do you want? What do you want? You want? Do you want some sound effects? You want yeah, to just like, like... Just like a, you know, a sound transition to bring him in. It's called it. a sonic action trigger oh, in the industry. <laughs> very good. So how long, uh, Keithy, how long have you been with the dogs now? Uh, this is your fourth year? Yeah, so this is my, my fourth year. Um, came across at uh, the end of 2019. So, um, yeah, did pre-season and then we were... Um, Staying at home for a little while in, yeah, uh, in March. When, what what uh, was that changed. like? That must have been, like, I mean, in one sense, so when you get to a new footy club, I mean, you've been through this, but obviously the listeners haven't. It's it's a pretty, like, shocking two weeks trying to work everything out because everything's new. The game plan's new. The people are new. The building's new. The cafes are new. Everyone's new. And you're just trying to get on top of things. But you went straight into preseason. You've gone through that stage. And now they're like, now you're going to have to spend an indefinite amount of time on the road. Did your partner come with you at that stage? Uh, yeah, not initially. Um, yeah, there was a big period of time there where we were at home and we weren't sure what was going to happen. So they'd, they'd shut down the season, obviously. And um, yeah, I remember the first games back were still um, in Mel- Melbourne. So we played at Marvel Stadium um, 
yeah, remember it really clearly against against Collingwood with with no one in the Lake in the stadium. Was yeah, one of the worst weekends because oh. we all knew that bad stuff was about to go down, and to compound it, Collingwood thumped us. Yeah, and it was quiet in the stands. It was yeah, that was rough. Yeah, so eerie. Yeah, I remember guys having having set shots and it just being um, one of the strangest experiences. But um, as we all know, it became pretty normal for that year. But yeah, it was a, a strange year to come to the club. It's sort of, um, as you as you mentioned, trying to uh, get a handle on everything at the club and um, build relationships and things. And we had a couple of um, camps, luckily, before um, before everything changed with COVID. So, um, no, it was an enjoyable preseason. Um, and then, yeah, and then we were sort of in, into lockdown. But you had been to the Bulldogs before. There is one of the most eerie parallel universe videos on social media where you're, as a Melbourne Stars player have come to the Bulldogs to do a sort of... Uh, do you, like, you play cricket and, and footy? Like, so in, in the video, you and... I think it's Caleb Daniel play against each other in footy and cricket? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it was with Matthew Wade. Oh, I cringe even thinking about that video. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. And yeah, no, Luke uh, Bevo was uh, kind enough to put the video back up when we had um, James O'Donnell join us <laughs> at the course. club. So, yeah, he was able to sort of... Uh, draw a bit of a parallel between the two of us and somehow put that stupid video up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's um, it was is it Tuddy and um, yep. and Jordan Roughhead, um, yeah, a couple of great blokes. But uh, had to had to put up with with me carrying on with a goal kicking competition with uh, with Matthew Wade. So the yeah the Melbourne Stars were doing a bit of a, a joint. Um, uh, promotional thing with with the Western Bulldogs, so um, yeah, just just out on Witten Oval. But it is weird. It's like uh, to use a reference that neither of you will be old enough to even remember. But uh, there's an episode of Cheers where <laughs> Frasier's dad, the actor who plays the dad in the TV show Frasier, plays a piano player at the bar, and it's just like this is not this is anachronistic. This doesn't <laughs> make sense. Why are you there as a cricket player? Yeah, how does that come about? And also, do you sit back now and go, why did I let Media managers tell me what to do because I think sit back and think about it all the time. Yeah, there's a bit of that. They um, yeah, they strap. He's strap thinking it right now, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's got daggers in his eyes, thinking about whoever it was organising that rubbish. Some similarities to being in this room, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, but no, someone's strapped a microphone to me, and um, away we went. But that was. It must have been 2011 or 2012, so it's yeah, it's a strange old world the way it sort of came came full circle. If we went back to you and like you got in a time machine right now and said 2011, oh by the way, Alex, you're going to play for the Western Bulldogs. Like, would you have believed it or? No, absolutely not. Yeah, no, it's a um, been a sort of a strange pathway, but um, yeah, very enjo- enjoyable. Plenty of, plenty of ups and downs, and um, yeah, very very happy to be back at the kennel. So me and Danny were talking about this on the way in as our, we did our last minute preparation for this interview. But um, how did – so most people I would say at the Bulldogs perhaps don't understand all the different little stages that your sporting career, rather than just your football career, which is the easy one to talk about. Um, how did you sort of, you know, first get the um, idea in your head that you could be drafted and then how did you not get drafted and how did you eventually join the the Adelaide Crows, I believe, first? And then how did you end up Gold here? Coast, I think, in there as well. He's a Shep boy, by the way. Uh, Steve-O, our friend of the show, Mark yeah, Stevens. Mark will, Latham. Will be, uh, Mark Latham. <laughs> Latham Vandermeer. <laughs> Shep dog too. We'll, uh, we'll love to point out that anyone's from Shepparton. But, uh, yeah, so tell us your journey. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sporting-wise, I 
probably um, started to get a bit more serious with with my cricket um, in the under 19s. I was fortunate enough to make the uh, Australian team, and we had a, a World Cup um, when I was in uh, the start of uh, maybe at the end of year 11 at school. Um, that was in in New Zealand, and um, yeah, played with some guys that are doing really well in the Test arena now. Um, Josh Hazelwood was one. Oh wow. Um, Mitch Marsh was captain and uh, Adam Zampa, uh, Kane Richardson, a few few other guys are doing really well in 2020 cricket as well. Um, so yeah, it was uh, an awesome time and we went through and, and won the won the World Cup, which was which was amazing. Yeah. And um, on the back of that, sort of had, had an opportunity to um, uh, receive a contract offer with Cricket Victoria. Um, but at the same time, uh, Gold Coast were coming into the um, coming into the fold with a, I think, a TAC Cup or a VFL team initially and then uh, moving into the AFL. So they um, they chose 12 17-year-olds. and um, yeah. David Swallow and all those boys, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, David Swallow, um, Josh Toy, Tom Nichols. Um, Stephen May was part of it, but I think he might have been a... Um, McKenzie, maybe? A, maybe yeah, Mc, yeah, Trent McKenzie at, at Port Adelaide now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's not not many, if any, left at um, the Gold Coast uh, now. But um, yeah, so I was sort of part of that group initially, and um, yeah, trained up there a little bit in, in my year twelve year. And um, but once once the uh, uh, the under nineteen World Cup cricket had happened, I and there was an offer um, to play cricket professionally. That was what I absolutely loved doing, and um, yeah, something I wanted to have a have a real crack at. So. Yeah, that was that was sort of the initial um, initial pathway from from school. So, playing AF- AFL football was your second option. It's backup you know, plan. Do you know how many <laughs> flat people there are on this court listening to this? Going, I couldn't have done either. You know, yeah, no, I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you then, um, you know, go through the cricketing sort of experience, your cricketing career? How long did that last? And then, when did you start playing footy again? Yeah, so it was probably um, maybe five years, I'd say. Um, yeah, it was a uh, really challenging period. I um, had some initial success and um, did really well in in second eleven cricket and, and in club cricket. I was I was always a reasonably strong club cricketer, but taking that next step bowler? was was a real challenge. No, I was I was more a batsman and, and bowled a little bit as well, but. Um, yeah, taking the next step as an all-rounder was was uh, was a bit of a challenge for me. And um, yeah, as I said, I had some success early. Um, did well in the second eleven competition um, and broke broke into the Victorian side. We played against um, the England uh, side. They used to play a tour game. They, no one's got any time for tour games these days <laughs> in the <laughs> in the cricket landscape. But um, back in those days, they'd play against a state team. So that was my first. Uh, First, uh, first class match. How'd you go? Uh, I made uh, 40, 40 odd in Not the bad. second oh. innings. Yeah, it's an average that'll um, keep you in the test side. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you go? Did you bowl any of them out? No, I didn't. Didn't get a bowl. I was. Um, yeah. N- nah, no bowling, which was probably fortunate because Alistair Cook was <laughs> playing <laughs> yeah. with a uh, barn door for that series. <laughs> I think I can't remember his numbers, but oh, was, um, yeah, yeah, they went through and won the Ashes in Australia. Oh, this is that. Yeah, this yeah. is why I blocked it from my memory. <laughs> this is not a good time. Where did you yeah. field? Uh, oh, I used to be an okay field. Unfortunately, fielding was probably uh, one of my strongest suits in in cricket. So it would have been nice to be, uh, have the strength in batting or bowling. But yeah, I used to love my fielding. Um, it got me a few gigs doing twelfth man and uh, and mixing the drinks. And I'd, I'd occasionally get on the field to. Um, 
uh, give a fast bowler a shower or, or whatever they do when they go off the field for a bit of a bit of a rest. So um, yeah, cover or sometimes in the gully because um, yeah, it was was sort of where I. All right, I'd answer go. me this: What's scarier? You're at gully. <laughs> Alistair Cook whacks it. It's coming to at your face at about two hundred kilometres an hour, and that ball is hard as a rock. Or hospital ball coming into the inside 50, you've got to try and take a grab and you know as soon as you touch that ball, three attackers Tom are going to be... Hawkins Tom Hawkins is going to bowl you over. What's scarier? Um, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably say fielding in the gully. I, I, I don't think there's ever an easy slips catch. Cop and, um, Tom Hawkins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That, no, I'm with be, him. I'm with that ball. I agree. That's so hard. Uh, the of those things. They're too hard. Um, no, it would be horrible having um, the Tom Hawk run through you but yeah um in the slips or in the gully and you've always got the um the added pressure of the fast bowlers who have been toiling away all day yes. and if you put the catch down uh they don't forget it so um so what you're saying is the equivalent of fast bowlers in the afl is bevo because if you don't go and you don't take the mark he's the fast bowler coming over the top going why didn't you take that mate yeah you don't want to drop too many catches for bevo that's for sure <laughs> All right, and, and just while we're on that, you say mixing the drinks. What actually, yeah, goes into the drinks? It's not just it's not just water, or are you you yeah. doing cordial? Is this yeah, yeah. Carlton draft? Yeah, back in the, back in the you day. Don't, yeah, you got a bit of shake and not stir. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no exact science to it, but some of the some of the batsmen get pretty particular about what they want. So <laughs> I once got a decent spray for um, not having the correct colour of hydrolite in uh, in a player's drink bottle. Which, wow. Um, yeah, which I found pretty amusing, but I, I certainly didn't um, didn't giggle. I was running off to uh, tip it out and, and right my wrongs. What's re- what's worse, um, being twelfth man or the sub, <laughs> or actually being twelfth man or subbed? <laughs> yeah, being subbed is, is no good. I'm yeah, not a massive fan of the rule in general. No, but no, um, neither am I, because it's always a tall bloke that comes off. Yeah, well, <laughs> l- lucky enough, I, I don't think many. Many teams go with a tall bloke as a sub to no, start with, so no. you're normally an emergency or, yeah, so or out of the all, team. All connection with this rule is bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. I can't believe the 12th man actually has to mix the drink. I yeah, knew, yeah, that's I knew technically you bring it out, but I thought you know there'd be someone from catering yeah. or the yeah. sports science yeah. department or who would do it. Or a dietitian yeah. or a trainer. Or so you're, anyone. Li- yeah. you're literally there just going, oh, David Warner wants the purple hydrolite. <laughs> Yeah, no, probably you're probably right at the um, Australian level um, and, and the international players. Oh, but you're players. doing it for your Victorian yeah, Melbourne the, stars. Um, the state the state teams aren't uh, aren't very heavily resourced at all. So um, yeah, no, you, you, so you, you actually at the Melbourne Stars, <laughs> we should just be stoked they're getting hydrolite and not Mountain Dew. Like, <laughs> sorry, it's a sponsorship, boys. You got to drink this. <laughs> they would love it, I reckon. You could use the term "taste the dew" as you hit a six. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. I think Andy Lee actually at the Melbourne Stars uh, coined himself the Chief Hydration Officer. Oh, here so, we go. Yeah, so the players weren't allowed to do much of that. That was his domain. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a very serious league. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Big Bash. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you played a bit of Big Bash as well, obviously. How did you find that? I mean, so when you when you were going through your initial cricketing foray, twenty twenty would have just been coming on the scene pretty much for the first time. Twenty twenty, the format, not the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely it was. Um, yeah, it was a really exciting time um, with the Big Bash coming into the um, coming in for the first time. There was 
a massive following for 2020 cricket with the the state based games. Um, yeah, a lot of people remember it was really heavily. Oh followed. yeah, back when it was like the Bush Rangers versus the Redbacks and stuff. That was exciting. It yeah, was even bigger yeah. club level. Like I remember games where they'd be absolutely packed at like Wonga Park or any of the sub district grounds where they'd be playing 2020 night games. Oh really? Like and local it was stuff. Massive out in the local leagues, but it never sort of got onto TV until you guys came. Yeah, yeah. I hope your listeners uh, like cricket, and because uh, I could. Uh, talk it all day. Please stop me if I'm no, no, talking right. too the much. Next cricket, question is: no, you obviously like cricket was... more than football. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, I, I can bring it. I can sort of bring it back. Here's, um, so, how much of a fanboy were you when James O'Donnell walks in? Are you just like straight at him, going, "Tell us about your dad"? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd met his dad before. I actually had had coffee with um, with his old man, which was pretty special. He's still got the the biggest six ever hit at the MCG. Yeah, um, that's a good see, place to have it. Too, yeah, you see the, the yellow place. seat that's uh, that's painted. Uh, oh, behind so the bowler's good. arm, and with those, with the older type of bats, um, it's a pretty, pretty awesome achievement. I've yeah. got to say, but my mate Tom Seagat, he's uh, the the suburban footballer. Might, people might know yeah, his yeah. work. He tells a ripping story about going on an MCG tour, and they point out the yellow seat, and they're going, "That's the, from the biggest six ever hit." And, and the Tom Tourist went, "What are the odds that he hit the one yellow seat?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, but no, James has been been fantastic. He's um, yeah put his best foot forward around the club and trained really hard and, and done well at um, VFL level and obviously um, got got to have his debut I think uh, last week or the week before when this airs and um, yeah no he's uh, he's been fantastic. He's prepares himself really well and um, yeah looking to to do his do his best um, in the in the footy industry after having a real really good crack at cricket. Actually, were you excited? I saw on the socials uh, that Merv Hughes, friend of the show, was at uh, training there. Do you find it – is it more nerve-wracking when one of the best Australian cricketers of all time is watching you train? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Merv's um, – I think we, we, we're training in Braybrook, but he's uh, he's obviously got the, the oval named after him down at – um, down at Footscray. So, um, no, it's uh, – yeah, it's pretty awesome to have him in at the club. And the he spoke to the development boys um, – a little bit about professional habits and um, yeah. <laughs> really, Merv. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had him on the podcast. Let's just stop you there because Merv told us that someone tried to give him a diet at the end of his career, and he goes, "Why?" You know, he goes, "I'll have pizza and fish and chips tonight before a game." And then I remember him telling us, "What was the other bit?" He goes, "They started trying to do conditioning at tr- cricket training," and he goes, "I'm just going to bowl." <laughs> and I'm going to field I'm going to bowl hard I'm going to field hard And I'm going to bat hard But I'm not running It's cricket Maybe the whole thing is Did he do a talk on what not to do? Um, yeah No I, Sorry I think he uh, spoke through his career And uh, some of the some of the highs and lows And Wow um, No it was actually fantastic The boys absolutely loved yeah, it So having that. having someone like that Who's You know One of the uh, One of the Biggest names ever in um, in certainly Victorian cricket, but also also Australian cricket. Uh, come in and, and and give us their time is um, pretty special. We love Merv. We had a great time. They're the other one he was talking about. You should go back and listen to the episode for all the listeners. It's here. very early on. It's like episode four. We've got to get Merv back. <laughs> the other one he was talking about, he goes, people used to ask me, um, do you get bored out in the field? And he goes, no. Nah. He goes, well, what do you do? Nothing. What do you think about Nothing. He goes, and then people say, "Oh, you retired now? What do you do?" He goes, "Nothing." You go, 
What do I sit on sit on the couch? Would you watch TV? No. <laughs> He's one, he gave this like forty second spiel about how he just manages to sit there and do nothing with his life. He's a Zen it master. Was, it was it was it was fantastic, and obviously all the great stories from the old Footscray days, which are which are also which were awesome. But anyway, we're talking this one. All right. So how the hell you're there at the Melbourne Stars? You're dominating. You're you're, you're one of the best. Probably my favourite Melbourne Stars yeah, player ever. of all time. Definitely. Yeah. It's so, sad. so then you, I believe you then went off to. Uh, you, Birmingham, is that right? You, you played in Birmingham? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, played in Birmingham, but in, in the off-season um, as, a, as a cricketer or, or some of the young batsmen would go over and, and play um, the the English summer um, so that you're sort of playing all year round. So I did, did three separate stints over in England and, um, yeah, loved it while, while I was playing cricket. Recently married? Yeah, uh, I was... Yeah, sorry, mar- married um, just at, Chris- at Christmas time. Yeah, it was a long, long engagement with with COVID, but um, yeah, at Christmas time. Got, what what got was the day? Because you would have been like we would have been right next to each other, man. You yeah. uh, 29th. Yes, yeah, so it was a week before. Week so off. We 22nd. But was that that was over in England? Yeah, yeah, it was over in England. So yeah, Laura, my my wife um, is from uh, the West West Midlands, and, and you um, met over there. Yeah, met over there. Oh, yeah, um, cool. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, you go over to Birmingham. You yeah, yeah. Find <laughs> is a nice that where the Peaky Blinders are from? It is. Yeah, one of the one of the few things that uh, Birmingham are, are famous for, I think. But um, no, no, it is a it is a great part of the world, and we we had an, had an amazing wedding, and um, yeah, lots of uh, Laura's family and friends were there, and um, yeah, a few few Aussies were able to make the trip as well. Yeah, firstly, obviously, congratulations to you and your lovely wife. Secondarily. Provided a great platform to see some of the Bulldogs players dressed as Irishmen. Um, <laughs> Caleb Daniel, Libba, they, they looked fantastic. If anyone's troll back through the archives on social media, because there were some great photos. It was obviously a great day, but um, obviously the reason you've gone back over there is not only wife, but you know, do you intend on spending more time over there as the life progresses, or are you going to be in a, a Melbourne boy forever? Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, Laura's really enjoying herself um, living in Australia. She was pretty settled in Adelaide um, and then obviously got the trade and um, she had to sort of yeah start things again work-wise and stuff which a lot of the uh, partners do for us um, yeah which is which is amazing what they give up and the sacrifices but um, yeah we could 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 end up spending some time back over in England it's um, yeah certainly something that we'd we'd consider but yeah loving loving our time in, in Melbourne at the moment. So you go back to you're in Birmingham then you get a contract with the the South Australian cricket Board, the Redbacks, I guess, and then the Crows come sniffing. How do they? How do you? What, is that, what sort of clandestine meeting is it? Where like, do they bring you aside to you know one of the twenty-four hour bakeries? You meet at two a.m. and they're like, hey, Rundle Mall. We hear you can kick a footy. Would you? Why don't you come? Up? How, how do they? How do they convince you to switch codes? Yeah, no, it was um, yeah, a strange time. Very exciting in terms of well, firstly disappointment with finishing up my time at Crew Victoria, but then. Um, yeah, I've got got a lot to thank for the AFL's Category B rookie rule, where they, um, if you've had, I think it's three years, uh, not registered with any football team at all, then you can be listed outside of the draft. So, cool, I've um, got hope. Great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so through that uh, rule, there was a little bit of interest because I played some footy when I was when I was younger. Um, and yeah, with, with Adelaide, it was yeah, it was funny. I uh, Phil Walsh at the time was was coach and he he flew over to Melbourne and um, this was before I went to England England and um, yeah we we had a had a meeting and um, talked about the possibilities of uh, playing over in Adelaide and things like that um, yeah and then yeah, history will um, have it that he was uh, tragically killed uh, that year so it was um, yeah 
obviously really traumatic time for the club and things but um yeah i was sitting over in england thinking oh do i still do i still have a job when i get back and stuff so um yeah lots of lots of uncertainty in terms of um when i was uh coming back from that cricket season i um had agreed with a local um team in adelaide to play some cricket uh the following summer um and also, yeah, through the Saka to to train with the with the Redbacks with yeah no guarantees of playing um, professionally. So, and the football was all of a sudden up in the air. So I decided to move anyway, and um, I moved without Adelaide having a coach, and they uh, they ended up signing uh, Don Pike, who who has a little bit of a um, cricket background. I feel like saying, oh, nice. uh, like Scott Pendlebury has a basketball background. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, Pikey, yeah, had had some experience in cricket, played played a fair bit of cricket himself, um, and he was sort of open to me playing uh, cricket that summer. And um, I think they was much feeling me out and wanting to have a look at me uh, train um, over that summer, um, as well as yeah, uh, me having a go at, at footy again. So yeah, I was um, into their sort of training program and um, still playing cricket for the summer. Wow. So you had to juggle basically an AFL level preseason, is that right? With with playing cricket on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, it was it was weird how it worked. It was um yeah, I, I was basically treated like I had an injury when I first got to the club. They they <laughs> stuck me in the rehab yeah, group yeah, and yeah, um I think yeah, he's <laughs> <that with laughs> yeah. carrying a cricket. <laughs> yeah, cuz it was pretty pretty intimidating. I'm sure um yeah, James it maybe relate to it, but you rock up to the club and um you know these are seasoned afl players and I, I haven't had a kick of the footy for you know six years by this point so um or, you know prop, proper kick of the footy a lot of the cricketers yeah. think that they're uh they they're kick the star <laughs> afl players but um yeah it was so. awkward the first time you grabbed the share and you rubbed it on your, on your leg <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also funny because cricketers like footballers think they can be cricketers because they're athletes but cricketers aren't athletes and yeah. they think they can be footballers <laughs> for the most part you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but, but you debuted at the Crows like halfway through 2017, so you you came in pretty quick. Yeah, so that was a that was the following year. I had a a full year in the um, in the sample. It is, yep, um, and yeah, and then uh, another half half a season after that. But yeah, it was just that that summer when I was playing cricket and footy um, was so enjoyable. I just felt like a kid again. Um, yeah. yeah, you just sort of. Uh, rolling with the punches, and I was absolutely knackered by the time yeah, I'd get to um, game day for cricket. But in a funny way, it sort of helped me. I was just really relaxed and um, didn't really care about the um, results too much. And um, yeah, had a had a good year with the bat. So, but at the end of the season, it was um, pretty clear that I'd uh, yeah tried my absolute best with with the cricket, and um, I was uh, probably fighting a losing battle um, in terms of you know where my talents had, had got me. So. Um, yeah, really good opportunity to get back into the uh, AFL system as a as a rookie. Um, I think I was twenty three or twenty four at that stage. Yeah, so you went to your full back plan basically, and then um, um, so then you know everyone on this podcast barracks for the dog. So let's get back to the most important part of it. So you yeah. then what, what what was the process of actually joining uh, the Western Bulldogs? And yeah, I mean. What's been the the best part? Because you did, he requested a trade specifically to us, which I like. Yeah, it's yeah. very nice. That I means that there's conversations going on behind the scenes. That's what that is. Now I assume you watched footage of the '97 prelim and just went, oh, "I'm I'm with the wrong team. <laughs> I'm with the bad guys." Yeah, no, I um once yeah once the the Bulldogs was a was an option um and I yeah I was sort of I was out of contract towards the end of the year. There was um probably it'd be fair to say it was a bit of a tumultuous time at Adelaide with um. 
yeah, probably ah, yes. fall, yeah, <laughs> falling short of and, uh, certain <laughs> yes, things. Yes. yes. Yeah, so the camp and then falling short of expectation after making a grand final um, with a, with an older sort of list. So they were looking to uh, looking to make some changes and um, yeah, once once the Bulldogs was an option, it was um, yeah really exciting. Um, you know the the guys who are um, some of our you know hardened se- senior players now they were sort of um, coming through the ranks and um, yeah it was a really really young exciting list and um, something that yeah I was really keen to be a part of. I think uh, on the the topic of being a part of what's um you know we've obviously interviewed Cash earlier today about the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation. You do a lot of work along with Buku and a couple of the other guys popping in and out. But seems like you've been carrying quite a fair bit of the load over the last few years. How did you sort of get introduced to the the foundation and what are some of the work that you what are some of the work that you have done? Um, but maybe more importantly, why do you think it's a worthwhile sort of foundation to support? Yeah, no, the community foundation's fantastic at the Dogs. I think, um, yeah, to, to use the platform that we've got as a club to have such a big impact in the community is um, fantastic. And you mentioned um, there's a lot of players that get involved and um, I think that we get a, as much out of it as the, as the participants do. And, um, yeah, you mentioned Buku, who does an awesome job. Um, yeah, Libba and JJ and there's, there's many, many others that – um, have done yeah a lot more work than me over the years and um, yeah I think it's it's really re- well run by Joe Hannah and the team and um, yeah we've uh, we've really enjoyed being part of it so um, we've done a bit with the oh sorry I've done a bit with the with the goal program over the last few years and um, yeah sort of the youth mentoring side of things yeah so um, yeah a lot of um, yeah, building relationships and um, yeah working through through goals and um, ambitions and um, how do you do that, Keith? How do you go? Hey, guy, look. Hey, if maybe you won't achieve your goals, maybe you'll you'll have to just be an AFL footballer, be an NBA basketball. <laughs> um, no, they're they're pretty inspiring kids, and they're they're great great to be around. Um, they definitely aim for the stars, which is which is awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot a lot of um, participants with with huge ambitions, which we absolutely love, and. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a great way for us to com- connect with the community, and um, yeah, we're you know we're we're the Western Bulldogs, um, based in the in the Western suburbs, and um, to have have an impact in these types of areas, I think it's really powerful. Well, we won't keep you too much longer, Keithy, because it has been a it's been a day. I presume you're you're in the middle of a training day at the moment. What's what's on the schedule at the moment? Uh, yeah, so we had had training and, and a review this morning. Um, so yeah. Not, not, not too bad of a uh, day. Reviews are always easier after winning five on the trot. I found. Over yes, beating your old mob uh, in in Adelaide. You, sadly, you went on the field. When are we hoping to see you? You're on this week, surely. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, couldn't couldn't get a game this week. So um, yeah, doing doing whatever I can to um, put my best foot forward and hopefully put my name up for selection. We, um, you know, as a now fan, ex-player of the club and Danny, tragic fan forever. Um, <laughs> I must say it has been fantastic having you at the Bulldogs. We have needed Definitely. a feedback for so long yes. and you've played some incredible footy for us. So thank you for that. But also thank you for the work that you do with the foundation and thank you for your time and and uh, insight as to what is one of the craziest and you know ridic- most ridiculous sporting careers I think that, that has gone on in recent times so mate uh, kudos to you and, and Danny if you've got anything else you'd like to add uh, should I still go for the stars in the 2020 in the big bash yeah I think so is that who you perennial, go for perennial un- underachievers but yeah. when, they, when, when we <laughs> do should we adopt the stars <laughs> as the official do. Danny Boyd team yeah I think so alright so done. well Renegades is, is 
align with the West. So yeah, I'll, I'll leave with, it up to you. And with my manager, who's, yeah. on, who's been on the board right, right, the whole time. But, when, but I don't uh, like him either, so I'm happy <laughs> When the Stars do uh, do win the ultimate, I think it'll be uh, be pretty special. If oh, yeah, We'll get on the bandwagon the week before, huh? Yeah, okay, that's a good plan. That's a good plan. All right, thanks, Keithy. Jeez, thanks, guys. I gave my childhood to that role Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets Long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets